What's going on, everybody? Chris and Layton, or Layton and Chris, LC, right? With Vintage Breaks Lunch Crew, Episode 8, Quarterbacks. What's going on, Layton? Not too much. Welcome to the Lunch Crew. That's right, LC. <laughs> right. Hope everyone is doing well. Looking forward to the holiday season. Uh, I'm fresh off of the Philly show. Their next show is in March, so if you want to check it out, you want to drive in, fly in for it, it's a good one phillyshow.com for all the details do they go like philly philly like that super bowl play audible philly philly no, no they're not that'd be cool if they did <laughs> anyway speaking of the audible that was a quarterback that made that audible there's a reason with in particular modern football cards if you go back into vintage you'll see other players take spotlight you'll see emmett smith take spotlight you'll definitely see jim brown walter payton you know, just stalwarts of the area, the the, uh, the the vintage football market. But if you look at the modern, it's all about the quarterbacks. It's a sign how the game has changed, how the not just the invention of the forward pass. We're way beyond that. We're to the um, the domination of the forward pass, really. And uh, the hobby market begins and ends with quarterbacks. It seems every now and then a running back can get hot and his cards can go somewhere. But you look at NFL card sales, and you'll see Patrick Mahomes up there at the top because he's a signal caller. Because without a quarterback, teams don't really have a chance. Having said that, it's really tough to evaluate a quarterback. It's tough to look at one and know, hey, what do I have here? Do I have, uh, do I have a star or do I have a, um, a guy who was really good in college? It's hard to figure out. And um, I wanted to kind of bring up a, a guy I was right about and a guy I was wrong about. I want to start off with the guy I was wrong about because it's more more current. I was completely wrong about C.J. Stroud. Um, I watch a lot of football. I played football in college. I really uh, understand the game at, at, at a pretty high level, I think. And I was watching C.J. Stroud at uh, Ohio State, and I'm seeing a lot of one check, one check, one check. Okay, drop back. One receiver. I don't see any decision-making. Even when the chips were down and they were playing bigger teams like Georgia, no decision-making. One read, one read, one read, and one read is a death nail for a quarterback. All of a sudden, he comes up to the Houston Texans. And when you play quarterback for the Houston Te Texans, there are challenges there that don't exist with a lot of other franchises. Uh, you are literally running for your life playing for the Houston Texans. They didn't go out. They didn't go out and get offensive line. They didn't build – they did they, uh, – I mean, they did bring in, like, Tank Dell and some other, like, skill position talent. But, you know, the offensive line is pretty much the same. And how is this going to be any different? Is this guy more talented than Deshaun Watson? I don't think so. But, lo and behold, we see C.J. Stroud making it work. And he's making it work with a skill set that I did not see in college. I'm seeing multiple reads. I'm seeing checks. I'm seeing audibles. I'm seeing just a game that I never saw in college. And I wish I, wish I had not have made the statement and the purchases that would make me think that C.J. Stroud is better than Bryce Young. I no longer think that. It's okay to be wrong. You just have to own it. <laughs> but having said that, sometimes you're right. And I was right about a young man who, um, who I really like, uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is another one of these super athletes. And it's okay to be a super athlete if you're a grown man like Jalen Hurts. When you're Kyler Murray doesn't work so well in the NFL. He'll have flashes. He'll never be that stable, consistent quarterback. 
unfortunate to have sold his prism rookies in tens at the high and like it's one of the things that i just like pat myself on the back for it's great great you ever had that well you know it's funny as much as some people are down on Kyler murray man if i were the jets i would have loved to have him uh you know so um but i do agree with you chris i think that evaluating quarterbacks is really tough and for someone who's listening to this episode who maybe it's just kind of like a fringe fan of the game of football forget about collecting football cards um, and Chris, I know that you know you used to play in college, as you mentioned, um, and I feel like we both have a really good grasp on the game. Unfortunately, you know, I cheer for the Jets, so you know, <laughs> this topic for a different episode. Um, something to keep in mind if you're just like a casual fan of the game, man or woman, young or old, is the quarterback position in college. Chris, please correct me if I'm wrong, but the average, you know, you might have what 3.5, 3.8 seconds, something like that. Whereas in the NFL, when you snap the ball. You have something like what 1.8, 2.1 seconds? Is it, am I am I quoting things that sound about right? It's it's a vastly different game in in terms of speed. Yeah. So point is, you could see why. You know, I remember as a, a little bit of a younger individual, um, I remember asking like, why are they doing all these different tests? And the reason why they're doing these different tests is because they're testing your stress. They want to understand if analytically your brain can tie to your hands, can tie to your feet. And, you know, people often talk about this whole hand-eye coordination thing and what it means. Well, it couldn't be any more apparent to me why it's super important as a quarterback position because when you're talking about having the time to go from the pro, excuse me, from college to the pros, you can have the best arm. You can literally have the best legs. You can even be smart. But, Chris, you have to put them all together. Right. And I think what we're seeing is that's the challenge. I forget about staying healthy. Of course, you know, Kyler Murray's instance, that's a, a problem. But I'm saying, like, it's it's so much more difficult than people give it credit for. And I think, Chris, now that I'm involved in breaking, you know, on behalf of Vintage Breaks, I also play fantasy football, follow the game of football, thankfully beyond the game, beyond the, just the Jets. It's apparent to me, you know, when people say, Chris, I feel like if you're someone who thinks you know the NFL, a very popular thing to say is, well, the quarterback is good, but they have no offensive line. Make no mistake, an offensive line can certainly protect you better, but it's not going to give you an average of 3.5 or 3.8 seconds like the way you would get in college. You're still going to have to have the ability to tie the brain with the brawn, with the ability with your legs, right, and be able to throw. And so I just wanted to paint that picture for those who are listening, Chris, not so much live, but, you know, maybe later on. Um, and by the way, Chris, just remind everyone, where can they go to easily find our content if they'd like to check out our other episodes? other episodes of the lunch crew we got a full repository of this on itunes spotify and vblunchcrew.com where you can view everything you can, you can view the summaries the uh the, the bios of your fine hosts you know they're on that site too and uh you can even click to see a link to uh the vintage breaks websites for some cards that we retail in the show so everything's included there Great. Well, Chris, we could talk about quarterbacks for a whole episode. Maybe we'll talk about it more in the future, but I think we got our point across, which is it's not easy to assess. You've been right before, you've been wrong before, and guess what? It's going to happen again. And you need elite. So, you need Joe Burrow, not Kirk Cousins. And there's a difference between Joe Yeah, Burrow I would say, so let me know in the chat who you guys think in the NFL right now. Forget about the vets, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Do I hope he's excited for the Jets next year? Yes. But who do you think of the young kids, right, from Mahomes on down, from like 17, 18 on down? Do you like Josh Allen? Do you like Kyler Murray? You some For some reason, do you like Zach Wilson or Daniel Jones? Like, you have to have your head checked. Um, 
But let us know in the comments who you think one or two of the top kids are in the game today that maybe some of us are overlooking, right? Because, Chris, everyone knows Joe Burrow at this point. Mm-hmm. But look who he was hurt. And then what's the kid's name? Browning that stepped up? Yeah, yeah. But Browning had a great game. Of course, he's got Jamar Chase to throw to. So, you know. Listen, you still got to throw it. As we talked about, Chris, you still don't have a lot of time to do it. Uh, but with that, we're going to move on. And we're going to talk about something very cool we recently did. Uh, certainly, um, if you haven't checked it out, please do not just our website at vintagebreaks.com, but you could check out our live stream, which takes place seven days a week on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash vintagebreaks. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so that way you get notified when we do epic things like open a 1980 Tops basketball wax box it was wrapped by baseball card exchange and if you're not familiar with steve hart he's a good buddy of mine he not only of course authenticates unopened he does sell it so check him out on the web um but we ripped open a box and we decided to sell it by the pack because waiting for the whole box to sell out of 36 packs would have just taken a long time so we wanted people to have the chance to go for the magic bird rookie we did get one Magic Bird Rookie. We're waiting for the results from PSA, so we'll keep you posted. We also pulled several other Magic and or Larry Bird cards uh, from that set. And if you have any suggestions about some other cool vintage you'd like to see us open, please let us know in the chat. But I'm going to leave you with this. I recently acquired a pack from the 1950s that we've never had before at Vintage Breaks. And it's going to be coming soon to our website. So stay tuned for that. Chris, if I had to throw out there before we move on, what's just one you have a wish, right? Forget about the cost. What do you want to open on camera? Vintage. Everybody would want to open the 52 uh, high, right? Everybody would open that. Uh, I got to be careful here because I know what the pack is and I don't want to spoil it. Oh, it's true. I can't say it it is a pack that has never been offered in a break before. And uh, I would not like you could have given me 20 guesses. I wouldn't have got it. It's a good one. It's that unique and it's that unexpected and everybody's going to love it. It's going to be so fun. I'm like, um, it is. I'm like looking at my airline miles for like uh, coming up and, you know, you know, you know, just maybe participating, maybe surprising. Hey, surprise south from here today. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, well, once again, uh, this is the lunch crew. It is our eighth episode. If you want to check out our other episodes and you're enjoying this content, please check out vblunchcrew.com. So, Chris, I know like we have every week. We have a handful of cards for sale. Generally, Chris goes vintage. Excuse me. Generally, I go vintage. Chris goes modern. One of these weeks, I'm going to throw them uh, completely off, and I'm going to come with some modern. You'll be like, wait, are these mine? No, no, they're mine. Um, but without further ado, Chris, why don't we um, talk about a couple of the cards we have for sale this week? Great. Well, the first one is your, this, this beautiful 33 Gaudi left field duel. That, that card is so sharp um, in SGC4. It does. It has really good eye appeal. Um, Lefty O'Doul was a really solid ball player back in the day. He's pictured here with the Brooklyn Dodgers. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to read to you the back of the card, which, and, and Chris, if I can show it on screen. Yeah. Many of us, and I'm sure, uh, Chris, you're probably in the same boat, but I wanted to ask. Many of us grew up 
reading the backs of our baseball cards. Yeah. Did you do that, Chris? I uh, I, I absolutely did that. Um, like I, I, I memorized several backs. Uh, sure. Particularly the Dale so Mason. if you take a look here, Lefty Odul, he twice led the National League in batting in 29 and 32. This is a 33 Gowdy. So last year he hit 368, which is obviously quite impressive. But this is what's so interesting. He first came into the big leagues with the Yankees as a pitcher. And he failed to make it. He was sent back to the minors. He won a berth with the Giants in 28 as an outfielder. And then he was traded to the Phillies in the next year. And then he joined Brooklyn in 31. So my question is this. Is it possible that he was the next Babe Ruth? You know, I don't know much about Lefty Odul, but you're telling me that he started off as a pitcher, he didn't make it, and then he came back as a hitter and he made it, and he had 368? Oh, it sounds quite impressive to me, Chris. What do you think? I like. I wonder if the internal scouting was like, hey, this guy can do it all. Is he another George, you know? I mean, like, that would be interesting to read what scouts thought of Lefty Odul. Well, I'm going to check it out. I'll certainly be discussing it next week. But if you have heard of Lefty Odul before and you have any thoughts about him, let us know in the comments because, Chris, right, you got to imagine Lefty Odul wasn't the only player who tried to make it in the 20s and 30s as a pitcher and maybe made it as a hitter. But he didn't just make it as a hitter, Chris. Yeah. The guy hit 368 1932. Yeah. That's something for the Brooklyn Dodgers who faced the stiffest of competition back then. Absolutely. So anyway, he was six foot one, six foot tall, weighed a buck eighty. That's a, that's so a, that's not a, a you know man for that era. Well, it was, but certainly not today. So anyway, this card's available for two twenty five. If you're working on a set, if you're just trying, he wasn't like I said, a better player of the time. This is a great type card. Really like the Brooklyn uh, across the uniform there, um, and just a really nice shot uh, from the thirty three Gaudi set. Um, Lefty Duel does have another card in the set. This is the one I do like a little bit more. Um, but that is the scoop with the 33 Gaudi Lefty Duel. All right, let me get us back to our normal view. There we go. That's a beautiful card. Uh, the second card is, let me bring up, bring up one of mine. It is Here we go. This is a 2021 flawless baseball. So it's the uh, MLBPA, um, not MLBP. So you see Chicago, not Chicago White Sox. But the cool thing about this, and I picked two cards that had similar circumstances today. This is a piece, when they buy these jerseys, they're signed. If you look in the jersey window, there's a piece of the Carlton Fist signature right next to his actual signature on the card. And that's one of my favorite things. Interesting. Pudge, Carlton Fisk, vintage player, affordable cards, number one of five. They put five, but the other five probably don't have the uh, the, the autograph on the jersey. Even cool. And what does that like, cost, uh, Chris? $55, even with all that. These things what? Deals. Yes. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it, 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 these are cool cards to collect. I've always wondered why they weren't more valuable. But, you know, the market is what the market is. Regardless sure. of how you think, you, you're you one buyer. You're one buyer. <laughs> uh, Smokey Joe Wood came back as an outfielder after his pitching days were over. Very true. 
That was uh, appreciate nice. the feedback. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Joe. By the way, if you haven't already, check out our 20th Century Baseball Shock Me page on Facebook. Some of the best baseball content out there. Yeah, yeah. And your second card is a 1933 Tattoo, tattoo Orbit R305 Geo Haas. George Haas to you, Chris. Uh, it says George uh, on the slab. I don't know this guy. I know. It's short. <laughs> so Georgie was six foot two, a buck seventy five, born in 1903. But really, I didn't offer the card because of George or Geo Haas. I offered it because I think a lot of folks don't really know about Tattoo Orbit. Tattoo Orbit was gum. And these cards were issued with a slab of gum and one card. And they're extremely condition sensitive. And they also happen to have very bright colors of the time period. Yeah. So there is multiple Hall of Famers in the set. Just for full disclosure, I have a tattoo orbit in my collection. I think you should too. The one that I have is a Hall of Famer. I'm a big type card collector. The Connie Mac is one of my favorite cards of the time period, not just from the set. And if you don't know what it is, Google it. Or Chris, if you could pull it up, check it out. 1933 tattoo orbit of connie mack he's i think he has a hat on it's an awesome card but this card's 100 bucks and if you want a type card from the set it makes a perfect example for that nice nice all right now we have in a similar vein as to the Carlton fist that's the fisk again this one up. sorry chris before you do that i'm going to show on camera here just on the main one yeah. i did uh, a little research and i found a sales sheet Oh. pictures of big league ball players. They were suggesting it was free because you'd buy the gum. <laughs> yeah. And you get a free card. Give me free cards all day long, baby. Stick that in your bikes, folks. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the next one, configuring, uh, continuing the theme from the Carlton Fisk, we have another Hall of Fame catcher with the same type card. A game used bat, piece of jersey, autograph, numbered to five, with the piece of the jersey having Rod Ree on the front where he signed the jersey, and it has Rod Ree on the front where, he, where, where it's got the cutout of the signed jersey. Another one that I have, because I, I bought it because I think they're cool. And I have a lot of these because I, 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 that's what I look for when I look for memorabilia cards. I look for where, where they cut the autograph out. It's like cool. two autographs for the price of one. Who doesn't love that? 1.5. Yeah, 1.5, just Rodri. <laughs> Could be anyone named Rodriguez. That's a very long list. Exactly. Uh, but this card, like the Carlton Fisk, is $55. Uh, Hall of Fame catcher. Cool. Like, well, Chris, I'm going to put something out there. If we don't sell one of them in the next 24 hours, I want to buy the Carlton Fisk. I will pay you personally, and I want to give it away through the lunch crew. Great. Great, we can do that. We can do that. I think it's a super cool card for the value. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. uh, you get a Hall of Famer with you know a piece. Uh, the the Fisk was the piece of the bat or the piece of the jersey. A jersey and a bat. Well, the jersey is not a game used. Uh, actually, these they have the uh, default statement that they're, they're they're not from, but in the enclosed. Oh, okay. Actually, the enclosed game worn used memorabilia and autograph are guaranteed by Panini. So these are right. actual game you these are actual even cooler. Games. Well, act quickly because if not, I'm buying the Fisky and I'm giving it away through the lunch crew. Great, great. Uh so that's the cards. What about the boxes cards come in 
we've got some uh, new ones coming out. I know you've seen Yeah, them. talk to me about the new releases. My favorite part of the show because I get to sit back, rub my belly, <laughs> and learn something. So Inception. In- Inception is normally like a spring release. Like Inception. You think Inception. This is the start. Uh, sure. Not, not, not so much in 2023. Not so much in 2023. What Inception is known for? Big, beautiful memorabilia pieces. And not only can you pull the Corbin Carroll, the Adley Rutzmans, and stuff like that, you can also pull the Shoei Otanis, the Aaron Judges in Inception. They are exceedingly rare. You'll get one, what they call a Group A veteran per case, and a Group A veteran can be uh, Paul Goldschmidt, but it can also be Aaron Judge and Shoei Otani. A lot of variants in the checklist. You've got to get extremely lucky. A lot of downside because there's a lot of there. There's something like 50 subjects on here. That that that's a lot. But, like, if it wasn't 50 subjects, it'd be, you know, $500 a box. It's not $500 a box. True. Uh, they're very beautiful cards. They do use too many sticker autographs for my liking. But they also use big, beautiful patches. Some of them aren't game used. Some of them in some series are. You know, the, in, the industry with uh, Upper Deck Exquisite figuring out they could do it one year with the, with the Rookie Premiere program started, you know, putting photo shoot game you photo shoot you stuff in products and it perpetuates to this day uh if you get one of those look at it from no other aspect because this makes the card look really cool and unique because if you get a unique patch on the card even if it's photo shoot photo shoot use it is still a unique card out of that run that's not going to be replicated in the rest of them like it still does make the card better it looks sick I hate to use like you know I hate that word, but people use it. Cosby loves it. Yeah, yeah, it's sick, sick. Mr. B said it was sick. <laughs> um, but like um, everybody likes to likes to crap on uh, photo shoot use and event use, and they're right. But it's also true that that does make that particular one card unique and cool and interesting. Um, next we have probably the biggest gamble, like, and and when we say biggest gamble in sports cards, typically your mind goes to national treasures, not necessarily true. National treasures has seven to 10 cards in it, but any one in one, one in one basketball also is just a huge gamble because it's a huge price tag per card. When you're looking at stuff, you have to, you have to look at the price per contents and Panini one in one delivers an encased autograph. And another numbered card. Uh, potentially, there can be two autographs in there, but it's a number, no, another numbered card. Uh, this is the Paolo Banchero Chet Holmgren class, not Wimbayama. But as we saw from an exquisite box, or from a National Treasures box that we just opened, Paolo Banchero does happen, baby. Yes, now I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Because I can't be the only person who wants to know this. Mm-hmm. This is a legitimate question about modern product. Why a high-end product, for example, like National Treasures, basketball, you know, Ben Charles' rookie year, which sells for thousands of dollars per box. Mm-hmm. I heard you just say, because I thought it was eight cards, so I'm going to actually just correct you a little bit. I think it's eight cards. Why, if it says eight cards on the outside of the box, do some boxes contain more than eight cards, meaning nine or ten? How does that happen, Chris? Well, they're hand collated in National Treasures and Flawless. National Treasures and Flawless are hand collated. They're not machined. You literally got a factory a factory worker putting cards in packs and the boxes have a certain thickness that'll fit in there. 
So redemption cards often, uh, you know, when they're feeling the thickness, just you know, I mean, lead to extra cards. Cards that aren't as thick often lead to extra cards. Like some, like they got booklets. You know, when when there's a booklet in there, there's probably only gonna be seven cards. Uh, this year, I am seeing. I have yet to see a box this year with seven cards. So when we're selling it, we're 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 selling it with seven cards because seven cards has always been pop been possible. This year, I'm seeing a ten. Like I was actually gonna bring that up if we if we bring the product back in, maybe we uh adjust the math on that to ten to to ten spots. Because, but well, my question though, Chris, is are they doing this on purpose to give you additional um, cards? Because you're saying it's hand collated at the factory, or no, it's simply just because of the stack of the cards and they do it, and like some of them have a little bit more or less. I, I'm trying to understand. We don't really know the motives. So, like when I've when I've spoken to people about this, they go, "Well, you know, we do it to just provide you know a little cooler." A little cooler experience for some boxes. This year, it, it it does appear that they're sticking to the ten. In previous years, that's that's absolutely not the case. Just just experience. No, I agree. We've opened up a lot of nineteen and twenty, and um, well, it's interesting. So something to keep in mind because I want folks, especially Chris, if you're diving into this product, which is super high end, like National Treasures basketball. If you buy a box and you're you know not participating in a break and you're doing it from the confines of your own home, and believe me, I think that's awesome too. But I want folks to be aware and not be alarmed that if you open a box and it has nine cards, nothing's wrong. In fact, this is a common thing that's happening in National Treasures basketball, and that's why I wanted to bring it up today. Great, great, yeah. Uh, National Treasures is a hell of a product. Um, Panini One tries to capture National Treasures kind of like one encased card at a time because the design is really similar. There are some differences. They'll use this canvas style matte finish in Panini One that's really cool. They'll put some holographic shadow box cards in Panini One that are really cool. Like we had a John Stockton autograph for one year that had the spotlight autograph in it. That was a really cool looking card. Really cool looking card. But as a case with all sports cards, the cream does rise to the top. You'll see a card in National Treasures and a card in Panini One, and you'll say, well, that Panini One card looks cooler. Then you'll look them up and you'll go, that Palo is $10,000 in National Treasures. The Palo in Panini 1 is 3 and it's not going to make any mm -hmm. sense to you. The, the reason is what you've got to go through to get that Palo in Treasures versus what you got to go through to get that Palo in Panini 1. <laughs> Definitely. And Panini 1 is a super fun product. And I agree with you, Chris. It's feast or famine. Um, and with that, we're going to move on to the last portion of today's show, our eighth episode of The Lunch Crew. So I have two topics I want to cover, Chris. The first one is, and this is more of a, not just a public service announcement for, you know, collectors, but I also, listen, I, I, I care very much about the hobby. Uh, I love what I do for a living, you know, my businesses, um, whether it be my son wants to do it when he's older or not is really immaterial to me. Um, I hope he does, but I want to protect something that I've loved since I was a kid. And something that I see happening on social media, and social media, by the way, could be any uh, of the following. And by the way, I'm sure there's some sites I have no idea about, but they could be Instagram, it could be Facebook, it could be TikTok, it could be a private group within a Facebook community. Um, and it could be a Reddit community. It could be anything and everything to do with an online community. And so what I wanted to share my thoughts on is that if you're someone who's in this space, you don't have to worry if you're an influencer or not, because that's a very, 
you know, it's you can argue one way or another if you are or if the person sitting next to you is. But my point is, if you put out messaging, if you put out content, it doesn't matter what you want to call yourself, but you should be responsible. And so what I mean, I want to give a shout out to, um, to be very clear, I like some of his episodes and I don't like other of his episodes, but that doesn't mean I won't listen. Sports Card Dad, he has a really interesting YouTube channel. He puts out a wide range of content. I don't love how long the beginning of his shows take, but I do respect that in the beginning of his shows, he tells you today's show is sponsored by such and such. And in case you're not aware, sponsored means he's receiving some wampum, some money, some cards, some free boxes, something, right? Mm -hmm. And so the reason why I appreciate that is because if he's, for example, sponsored, that show that day is sponsored by ComC, check out my cards.com, great company, great website. You'd like to know that if he's giving information about that. So what I wanted to at least share with you folks is at the moment, none of our shows, meaning the Lunch Crew, Layton's Loft, Trading Card Therapy, are sponsored by anyone else other than Just Collect and Vintage Breaks, as well as Otia Sports. But to be clear, when I say sponsored in that case, they are not receiving any monies. There's no monies passing back and forth. It is simply just good business practice to plug our other businesses when we're talking about on our podcast, for example, the lunch crew, which is related to the hobby, I'll say sponsored by Discollect. I'll say sponsored by um, Vintage Breaks, so on and so forth. And that's because one or more of the owners of those respective businesses are involved in the production of the show. But to be clear, we are not receiving any financial compensation at the moment. And if that changes in the future, I will announce on here that today's show is sponsored by such and such. And by the way, that means X, Y, Z, that we are receiving free boxes to give out, whatever the case is. And so the reason why I'm sharing this information with you folks and I'm being a tr as transparent as I possibly could be is I'm hoping that other folks out there on my side of things in the hobby, once again, you can call yourself whatever you like, but if you're talking about the space, well, if you've been given a free dinner, if you've been given a paycheck, if you've been given some sort of gift that's expensive, meaning I'm not talking about a free pack of gum, but I'm talking about, you know, who knows? It doesn't matter. Something substantial. Well, then you should mention that today's show or this segment is sponsored by such and such company, where to be fair, it could be an individual. And the reason why I say that is because you want to try to create as much of a safe space in our business and hobby as possible. And the reason being is because sometimes when people lose, they don't come back. But if you're educated, and you know what you're getting yourself into, people can accept a loss a little bit more easily. And let's be clear here, right? In the space right now, there is absolutely, prices on average are down. So we just wanna make sure that everyone's being real about everything. And so if you talk about a particular product or a service that you like for a company, by the way, if you're not being sponsored, that's totally cool also. <laughs> but I'm just merely suggesting that if you are being sponsored in any way, right, don't get cute, not trying to toe the line and say, well, you know, that guy paid my mom's first boat payment. Well, he didn't give me the money. Sure, he may not have given you the money, but you were clearly sponsored by that individual. And, you know, it's funny because I used to love the movie uh, Ch uh, Blue Chips growing up, you know, with Shaq and Penny Hardaway. Um, 
you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, a great, great movie about college basketball. And there's all this, you know, money going on. And I kind of feel a little bit, that's what's going on in our space. Like for those who are in the know, they know, but we're trying to, to quote fanatics, 10 X the hobby. One of the ways to forget about 10 X to just increase the amount of people that are going to be in the space, collecting, buying and selling, flipping, investing, et cetera, is not just education in the sense of this is what a product is. This is what a set is. This is why a Babe Ruth Gowdy or Baltimore news card is important, but you need to be transparent so that folks can understand what messaging they're receiving and let them decide who and what people, places, and companies they would like to trust. You, you have to know the risks and the, the the real rewards going into it. You know, just put your cards on the table, guys. It's not hard. <laughs> Absolutely. So with that, I wanted to cover one more thing. I'm fresh off the Philly show, and I wanted to be clear that it was a great time. Unfortunately, my son who got sick on that Friday was not able to make it. And card shows are still super fun. So to be clear, as long as you have enough money to get in for admission, you don't really need to buy anything. You know, and it, candidly, you could probably bring a snack or your own lunch, like in a little knapsack. You don't even have to buy food. So if you're looking for a wholesome time for eight, 10, 12 bucks, and you don't want to spend anything else, the Philly show is a wonderful experience and I highly recommend it. But the reason why I bring it up is also to let you know that to get something out of it, you got to put something into it. And it's a lot of fun no matter what. We were talking about this before we went live today. It's Card shows can be like similar to college. Because in college, you don't really even need to go to class to have fun, right? So at a card show, you don't really need to be prepared to have fun. You could just show up. Literally, you could show up unshowered, wearing yesterday's clothes, with a $20 bill in your pocket, you know, with a granola bar. You're probably good to go, right? You know, it doesn't matter. But if you want to get something out of it as a consumer, as a collector, as an um, investor, when I say putting in work, I mean bringing a box of cards with you that maybe you're not even looking to sell, but you might trade if the right opportunity comes up. Or, and I did this as a kid, it was very nerdy, I know that, but I'm sharing with you a little bit of insight when I was a kid, and I still do it now, but it's just a different type of agenda. I would create an agenda for the show. I would say, I want to complete my 85 top set. I want to talk to Mr. Such and Such. I want to look for a Mickey Mantle rookie. And like, I treated it very seriously. Um, and I'm not saying it's necessary, but if you look at the show, like I've been corresponding with several people from the convention that are customers. I give them a lot of credit. A lot of people say they're going to follow up and, you know, the guy's asking for a further, you know, a bigger scan of this card. Hey, you know, do you have any flexibility? Can I trade you? I didn't bring any cards with me. My point is being prepared doesn't always mean going there with a box of cards to trade. It means being conscious. It means being awake. You're ready to give your effort to the convention because you want to get something out of it. And by the way, getting something out of it doesn't have to be a card. It doesn't have to be a set. I know for me on that Saturday, because I had to leave early um, to get my son, I knew, Chris, I was going to run out of time to quote unquote walk around and buy, right? So you know what I decided to do? Soak it up, man, and just enjoy being there. I had some wonderful conversations with Sharon. Shout out to her from Black Jade Wolf. We chatted for a while. Steve Rosenblum from SMR Collectibles. My buddies Derek and Lee from Heritage. 
I don't even know that we talked exclusively about business. It was about the holidays. It was about life. And so for me, you might say like, well, wait, what the hell does it have to do with being prepared for the convention? It's because I was awake. I was conscious of what I wanted out of it. I didn't feel like it was in a rat race to make the most money possible before I got out of there. I wanted to enjoy it. So figure out, and that's what I want to close with today, whether it be you're going to a card show or you're just sitting at home today and you're going to, or to be fair, you're at work and you're taking half your lunch hour and you're spending it with a lunch crew and you're going to spend your other half on eBay. Sometimes take a step back and go like this. It'll do a lot of good for you. Happy holidays all. We'll see you next week for what? Lunch crew number nine, Chris? Lunch crew number nine. I'm excited. We're going to be of legal drinking age before we know it. There we go. Later, fellas.